This is Big Innings. To start off, let's wish USA Cricket U19 happy travels as they leave for the World Cup. Amon, I'm so stoked for this. Oh, we've been talking about it for so long, whether it was the qualifiers up in Canada, whether it was last week talking about the squad. It's going to be good finally seeing a USA team in that under 19 World Cup in South Africa. So I'm stoked for the boys. Wish uh, texted a couple of them earlier today. So I'm, I'm just ready for them to get out there and start playing some matches. We think that they got what it takes to turn a few heads. But joining Amon and myself tonight is Emerging Cricket's own Nick Skinner. Nick, now you are on my show, or our show, I should say, Amon. Welcome to the show. How was the holiday season in Iceland? Just for a bit of context, I currently live in Denmark, but we traveled over to Iceland for Christmas, and that was really nice seeing everyone, all our friends. It was a, the classic thing of you're, you're in town for a week, so you, you, you're seeing people every day, so it was, it was pretty tiring. But yeah, it, was, it had snowed. It was really beautiful in Reykjavik, and yeah, really fun time. Back in Denmark, where it, it's actually snowed now, and everyone's gone wild. The trains are in chaos. The a bunch of people got caught on the highway because like basically Denmark it, it doesn't really snow properly so they weren't really prepared for this but yeah it's been nice it's been good lovely Christmas time and a good little break and yeah it's, it's good to be doing a bit of cross promotion on the emerging cricket uh, various properties under the umbrella and I'm very excited to be finally on the, on the same podcast as Armin having listened to him quite a lot it's just a happy family last week we started off with the biggest news so we're going to do that again we're going to start off with the World Cup schedule, which was released today being Friday, the day that we're recording. Tom Grunshaw, if you ask me, did a great job breaking down the schedule strengths and weaknesses and weaknesses. That out on Twitter, especially with a focus on the associates there. Nick, how do you like this schedule? There's a few things to kind of break down from a personal perspective, flagging from Europe. It's a bit difficult for me to see the opening game, the USA versus Canada match, which is the one we're probably all the most excited for, that's played on the 1st of June, and then there's nothing for Canada for basically for a week, and then they play Ireland, and then there's kind of nothing again for another few days, so that just makes it difficult for a, a traveling fan. I can't take the whole, like, two and a half weeks off to to see the full group stage, uh, but then if I'm flying in for one match, I'm, I'm not convinced. I know this is a, a very sort of, I, I don't know, egotistical lens to look at it through, but if there are other traveling fans, it, it is a bit annoying to, to kind of have this this sort of situation. But the the draw, we can get into whether it's really a draw or not. That's, that's a bit of a pedantic uh, discussion. But everything seems to be working backwards from the India-Pakistan match, and they've kind of reverse engineered, I'm sure some convoluted, I don't know, formula or whatever to ensure that's what happens. So the other groups are a little bit unbalanced, I think. Overall, I feel like we were hearing that the the tournament was originally supposed to start on the 6th or 7th of June, and it's been pushed back by a week or so, which has kind of expanded the group stage a bit rather than having a, a more compressed, quick, sharp, I think maybe one or two triple headers rather than several more, which again, that, that's the kind of thing... They probably could have made the group stage a little bit shorter, but yeah, at least they've got a lot of double headers, so that's that's good. There's quite a lot of games in the US, which is nice. They're, they're playing a lot of games in that New York stadium, which hasn't been built yet, so uh, that seems like a bit of a roll of the dice. Tom has kind of talked about this, but all the Barbados games, you kind of think oh, that's been planned with the Army Army in mind. They love going to Barbados. So these kinds of things happen, and I'm actually not too down on that. The ICC has to run a tournament that 
ultimately is going to make them money and money that they theoretically should be reinvesting into growing the game. And if they engineer a Pakistan-India game and then use the money to build out the development pathway, I think that's okay. They should probably be a bit more honest about it and just say, yep, we're working backwards from that. And then that allows them to maybe sprinkle the other teams a bit more evenly throughout the groups because... I guess, I guess we can get into the relative strengths of the groups, but, you know, Group A, India, Pakistan, Ireland, Canada, USA. Group B, England, Australia, Namibia, Scotland, Oman. Group C, New Zealand, West Indies, Afghanistan, Uganda, Papua New Guinea. Group D, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Netherlands, and Nepal. Now, that Group D, it's probably the strongest overall in, in terms of there's four very evenly matched teams, plus Nepal, who can be dangerous. And a lot of people have said, oh, that's a bit unfair on the Netherlands. But personally, I think the Netherlands would be pretty happy with that because they've got, basically, we've got four teams, any of whom can beat each other. So the Netherlands have a pretty decent chance of progressing from Group D. Whereas, for example, if they'd been in Group B, they would have a much higher chance of coming third, but a lower chance of qualifying out to the Super 8. There's kind of swings and roundabouts on this. Uh, Group C definitely looks a bit weak. Possibly that's a function of the West Indies being weak at the moment and being hosts and automatically qualifying. But yeah, putting Uganda and Papua New Guinea in the same group is kind of a strange choice. Namibia and Scotland playing against England and Australia. Scotland, they beat England last time. They came up against each other several years ago. So you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, it does seem a bit a bit wonky due to the way that they've kind of engineered it. But overall, the, the group's I'm not as down on them as a lot of other commentators are, to be honest. I'm happy with this being called drawn, how the schedule was drawn up. Because I think in the sense of, like, you draw with a pen and a pencil, like, that's how I like to think of this. Certainly started off with a light touch on a number two and then went over it with a dark uh, black pen. That's (laughs) kind of how they drew this one up. Because it just, it does look very manufactured. And you and I have talked about India and Pakistan are definitely going to be in the same group here with USA. We talked about that. Um, Burtis, for example, went through a whole list of various, what he called qualifudge scenarios here with India and Pakistan and how it would shape up. Ireland in the mix there with Canada and the USA. It's great to me that Canada and the USA are in the same group. We're thrilled with that. Every USA fan, every Canada fan stands thrilled with uh, every India and Pakistan fan is happy right now. The group C to me is the one that, as you mentioned, it looks like the weakest group. This one looks like it's a little bit manufactured to give West Indies the very best chance to advance into the, the next phase of the tournament with the probably the two, I don't even want to say this because it just discredits them too much, but possibly the two weakest associates in group C. And we've seen what strong associates can do to teams like West Indies. At least the last few years, we qualify them as middle of the pack with the group D. A lot of people are calling this the group of death. And I look at it and I say, Netherlands has a good shot to advance. They're grouped with teams that, that they can beat not just the other three teams, but they can beat South Africa too. As we've seen them beat South Africa in a World Cup. Focusing on the USA locations, right? We have three venues. We knew that the eight at the New York venue is very scary at this moment in time, just because six months you've seen the pictures in six months it's got to go from that to a venue that you say is better fit to host india pakistan than what lauder hill would have been which was my thought of if that match was going to be played in the usa it was going to be a lauder hill where all the facilities in you can prop up some makeshift stands and kind of expand the seating a little bit 
but you have the dressing rooms, the media rooms, the commentators box. What you need in Long Island it has to be completely manufactured in six months. And Nate, you and I firsthand saw how long it took church, what it kind of did at Church Street Park to get that up in about a year. That wouldn't hold any of Pakistan. So now you have six months, you have all the ICC coming into this, but I'm that's where my, most of my concern was to have eight games there versus four in Dallas, which we've seen host big time matches, four in Lauder Hill, which we know can hold international matches. India's played there very consistently over the past five years. They've consistently been over in Lauder Hill. So that to me was kind of the most shocking thing to see eight for New York and then four for the two other American venues. And when we've thrown this around and I wanted to wait till the show to talk about it, to debate this issue. But it, the whole thing's kicking off with USA versus Canada, which is great. We love that. This is where this is the first international cricket match that's, match that's ever had USA versus Canada in 1844. I'm glad they chose Texas of these three venues. My first feeling was rage that it's not being held at Church Street Park. We know that we knew Church Street Park wasn't going to be a venue. But if you're going to do USA Canada game and you're going to schedule India for basically all of the India games except one are in New York, if you're going to do it like that, which makes sense, I get it. You certainly have room to squeeze in four games at Church Street Park. That whenever USA plays Ireland, whenever Ireland plays Canada, whenever USA plays Canada, those games are, are perfect for a Church Street Park venue. Venue, you can get games in right there. Like you, like they've got in Dallas, they only have well, they got four. But you get what I'm saying. The 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 place will fill up. It'll look really nice. We know it looks good on TV when it's full. The fans will be. They know the players. The fans will be very passionate about that game. Now, I'm not saying Dallas is a bad choice. Dallas Dallas is a great It needs to be featured in the World Cup. It's, it absolutely needs to be featured in the World Cup. At the end of the day, I'm glad it's in Dallas because we saw a World Cup that it started off in a half-empty stadium, uh, the very first game, because it was in India. And it was a half-empty venue, and yes, they had a lot of issues with the tickets and things like that. But do you really want to do back-to-back World Cups in the same year with where you start this the thing off with a half empty stadium. So I am glad it's in a smaller venue, which is a great venue. It's a terrific venue. And it, and it is actually there. It's, <laughs> New York, as you said, hasn't even been built yet. So I'm I'm happy that I know um and you texted me, you said that you think that the ICC missed a trick there by not putting it in New York. It was more for the historical kind of metaphor almost or the full circle moment, right? The first match as you mentioned 1844 happened in new york and then to have a world cup match in the shortest form after the first one was a three-day match this would be in the shortest form of the game in new york i thought there would be some historical significance there but i think dallas makes the most sense in terms of the venues there i think it looks uh really good on tv and we can pack that stadium out it'll be at night because it's the only game on the docket so you'd have to you'd hope at least it'd be at night so we can pack that stadium out then something else i thought the usa playing ireland in lauder hill that was all, kind of awesome also. Two and a half years, basically, from the first T20 that USA had played and beat a full member side would have been you know, about two and a half years from that point. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. So the historical aspects, I think, are pretty cool in that regard. But I think that's where that text kind of originated was, I think, that being in New York, USA, Canada kickoff. But I understand that, yeah, we want to make it look as good as possibly it can. That's probably going to happen in Dallas. Yeah, I think I definitely agree in terms of the historical connection and the New York match would would have been very nice symbolically. As you say, I think Dallas is probably a better choice in terms of the actual size of the crowd that you're going to get. I just hope that they're going to be able to promote it because if, in theory, the idea of this is to help grow the game in America, 
surely you capitalize on that kind of rivalry. That's something that any casual fan can you know, get their head around rather than Ireland versus Pakistan, which uh, in terms of World Cup cricket has a long and storied history and, and they've played quite a lot. Their first test was between those two teams. So for us cricket nerds, that's a fantastic matchup. But for the average American, that probably means nothing to them. So yeah, definitely promote the USA-Canada game for sure. And Dallas is a good option for that. If they can fill that up, I think that'll be a good sign for the game in America. But yeah, as you say, Nate, I, I kind of agree in terms of the, I don't want to call them B-list matches, but you know, Ireland versus Canada, Ireland versus USA, you're not going to fill up the 34,000 seat stadium in New York with those kinds of games. So yeah, it's, it's a bit strange to be scheduling it there rather than at Church Street Park. And they've got a couple of matches from other groups happening at New York as well. So wh why not have a, some games like the other associate versus associate matches or Netherlands versus South Africa? They're not going to get 34,000 people in New York coming into that game. Those sorts of matches, that's perfect for Church Street Park. And yeah, no, I'm playing to the, <laughs> I'm playing to the home crowd here with two um, <laughs> guys uh, in the in the virtual room. But yeah, Church Street Park's a great venue. It's it's a great venue for those kinds of smaller matches. It, it creates a great atmosphere. You get kind of a, a couple of thousand people in, and it's a real party vibe. And it, it's just a really good place to watch cricket. And surely that is going to look nicer on TV. Not to mention just being a more pleasant experience for fans than having to get on the subway and take or, or drive for two hours or whatever it is to go out to a field in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> in Nassau County, which is technically not even in New York City. I think they did miss a trick not involving Morrisville, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be too parochial about that. Yeah, we're getting really niche. Like there's going to be 100 cricket pot, probably 300 cricket podcasts talking about the schedule right now, we're the only ones that are going to be saying, man, they really should have put this in Morrisville, North Carolina. But <laughs> we do have the history there of the Canada versus USA series in the, the qualifier in 2018 and how many fans showed up and how that seemed like the beginning of so many things from, in, here in the USA, which has been a really kind of a, a historic period of time for cricket and use, a very exciting period of time for cricket in the USA. And it all started at, kind of at Church Street Park. Well, again, with USA playing Canada, probably the two best T20s I've ever seen in my life occurred that week. And we talk a lot about it. We reminisce about it a lot. But, but look, it's not going to be there. We already knew Church Street Park was out of the equation. We understand why it's out of the equation. It's got good justification for not being included because it doesn't meet a lot of its closed rooms and infrastructure for for broadcast. And it is a difficult place to, to do a televised game. It's a difficult place for that. Building a 34,000-seat stadium from nothing in six months, which you, you mentioned those pictures earlier. I suggest people go to Peter Delpena's Twitter feed and look at the pictures. It's literally nothing. It's an empty field right now. So they've got six months to build a 34,000-seat stadium. Surely if you can do that, you can build some broadcast facilities at Morrisville. Agree with you. Agree with you there. The payoff is a lot bigger for 34,000 people. If they do pull, pull that off, which based on this schedule, you really hope they do. And for for those for our listeners who aren't familiar with Nick, please pay attention to the Emerging Cricket regular podcast. Uh, Nick is is a staple of that. This is it's basically your show right now, Nick. You're the, you're organizing that show. But for for fans who aren't familiar with Nick, Nick is a he's a Canadian, 
So this is a big match for him. He's also been to Church Street Park when he came to visit me last summer. That was a lot of fun, Nick. But uh, but yeah, so we've already been scheming about this, how to get to this opening game, Nick, via text message. And same with you and me, Amon. So hopefully the three of us can do an, a pod episode June 1st at the Grand Prairie Stadium. But Nick, I just want to reinforce what you said because it was so important. What you said was they have to, pr- to promote it. If it was in New York, it, and Tom Grudshaw made a point, he, he really thinks it should have been in New York. He really thinks it was an opportunity to expose it to a whole lot of people because of the, just, just the, the population density there. It would have been a great way to expose American cricket and Canadian cricket. Also, it's close to Canada. New York is close to Canada. It's easier yes. for Canadians to get there. So yeah, I see that point of view, but my 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 opinion is relies on a lot of what you said, Nick. You have to promote it right wherever it is. If it's in Dallas, if it's in New York, you have to promote it the right way. And so let's hope that they do that, and let's hope that this is a let's hope that this breaks Church Street's record for a USA versus Canada attendance game. That would be awesome. We were both there in 2018 for that. Um, and again, you said it was a, kind of like a new beginning. If this can be a new beginning, a new chapter. In American cricket and associate cricket, it'd be kind of it'd be incredible for that to happen in Dallas, where it seems to be the new home of cricket in the United States. Where I think Church Street, for those five years, kind of the home of cricket, is kind of shifted down now. That's where the hub is. I was really happy with that being the kickoff match because, again, USA Canada. There's no better per team for the US to play. There's no better team for Canada to play. And again, it's the most natural rivalry that you can say, hey, to to any average American. Hey, USA is playing Canada, and it feels like okay. I can buy in to that rivalry, so it's very easy to sell. Yeah, that that match that you talk about, well, the series in Church Street Park, that was the first time I kind of saw any fans really at all <laughs> watching a home game in the US, and it was the first time I kind of started to take take a bit of notice of what's going on in Morrisville. They're getting two thousand people in to watch a USA versus Canada game there's something happening and they kind of started a bit of the ball rolling and here we are <laughs> five years later or whatever it is on the podcast and and uh, I visited and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah Morrisville is in a lot of ways the the heart of the American cricket the local American cricket scene I know there's a lot more cricketers in various other parts in terms of club cricketers and whatnot but Morrisville is probably the, the place with the most kind of volunteers and people who are actually passionate about the local game so yeah, it is a shame that they're not getting a game. And I also agree, as as we said, New York would have been good, but yeah, I can see the arguments against it. I just think if we're going to be, yeah, promoting the game to American fans, and again, that is ostensibly the purpose of hosting the tournament in the USA. I don't know. Is chasing the Indian diaspora such a great idea? Like, yeah, I understand the financial aspect of that and obviously that's where most of the money is but i don't know it it might be a bit alienating if you're gonna go to a match if you're just a random american off the street and then 99 percent of the people there are indian how do i guess Armin's probably the best person to answer this because you kind of see both of the perspectives of of that being an american who's grown up in america but with i guess indian heritage yeah it's a tricky thing but i think majorly cricket i think showed us the perfect example because there were people there who never heard of cricket before just kind of showed up with a couple of their friends and i think there's a lot of people who want to spread it from who have south asian descent and they were very willing to say hey look this is kind of what's going on and people enjoyed it so i think again it's a very fine line because yeah you don't want to alienate 
that's any individual and the money is in the subcontinent for the television views but you know you'd hope that the ICC would be willing to put at least that USA Canada game you know 7 p.m 8 p.m where it's still okay for the Indian audience or the subcontinent audience over there where you can still appeal to a lot of fans who come who can, they can, they sold out major league cricket right like we you sold those out yes you're watching some international superstars but you have a good population of cricket lovers in Dallas and you have a good population of people who were exposed to it for the first time i think you build off to the to that kind of crowd you build off of what major league cricket did and they kind of did a really real way where they said hey here's kind of the game here's what let's explain it to them and I think that's kind of where you're going to have to go at it. You're not going to get any, every person that you advertise to come, but you're not going to get a lot of people who are going to go, oh, cricket, that's not for me. I think there's a lot more people more willing and open because they heard about it now. It's kind of on the voices. I was actually, my last week of school at UNC, we had you know kind of an alumni week and this former j- journalism student came by and said she works in Dallas. And I said, I was in Dallas for working for Major League. She was like, well, funny enough, she covered cricket for her news station and she said yeah i got really close like nosh and ollie shake and so like she knows these people they're promoting it there so i think there's a real natural growth in some of these areas because of what major league uh, brought in well that's awesome i i do want to point out two things we didn't just have major league there we had minor league finals there we had the finals of the minor league you were there you were on commentary you actually did a really great job on it's one of your better games we we saw both things we saw major league cricket where people turned out to see superstar international players from full member nations that are very well known uh rashid khan had a massive following at, at the major league games now we also saw the games during the daytime we even saw texas super kings game during the daytime i believe I think it was the one where DJ Bravo had a huge innings with the bat. But we didn't see that place fill up during that game. It didn't fill up. And that was with some that was with the Texas Super Kings there. That was with some very big name play. That was the daytime game. Uh, now, it was like 108 degrees that day. It was incredibly hot. That is, I believe that's like 42 or 43 Celsius, something like that. Right, Nick? It's something like that. Uh, but it was I mean, incredible. Fahrenheit means nothing to me, so I know you just <laughs> <laughs> this no C means nothing to us either. <laughs> That's- I there was a comedian that said Fahrenheit, and he was English, and he said Fahrenheit's great for hot weather because a hundred means a hundred percent hot. So <laughs> I saw that clip; it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's super hot. One hundred seven. It was super hot, and two degrees Celsius official. That's that's the forty two. Good job. No, we've been standing out in the sun in that heat. No, it's rough. It's rough. So, so they played a game in the middle of the day under that, and they didn't fill the place. So the game has to be at nighttime. It's got to be at nighttime. But we also saw the minor league final there, and that had what do you, you were there, Amon. Were there a thousand people at that game in attendance to watch? It's not as bad as we got later on, but it was mostly family, close friends. It was probably closer to the seven hundreds, and again, but it got more filled as. The night went on, but yeah, it wasn't quite nearly as what it was during Major League. And, and that was to see the Mustangs, the local team, the local minor league team, league team featured, I believe, eight major league players on it. These are eight yeah. domestic major league players. So this was a very well-stacked team. Some of these players' names are probably better known than some of our American players. Some of the players American as in play for USA. 
So my thinking is they absolutely have to pro promote the heck out of this. They have to promote the heck out of this to fill that place. That's what they're going to have to do. It's We've already seen a couple of examples, and that leads me to believe they're really going to have to promote this heavily. And in fairness, minor league cricket, the final wasn't very well promoted. It doesn't have to be promoted at all at Morrisville. People are going to show up. So, Nick, it all goes back to Nick's point. you got to promote this. But let's move on to our next topic. And, Nick, I know you were excited to talk about this one, the APL controversy. And we have some updates. Actually, an article I wrote about that was published earlier today. And since then, I've talked to some people who were there. And I've also read Smith Patel's article, which is really nice. Wow, what, what's going to be APL? And we've got some updates on this kind of shambles. Nick, I know we've talked a lot about this when we did it with the Brian Kane, who was right in the middle of the umpire standoff. The umpires refusing to take the field in the APL when they weren't paid what the tournament organizers said they were going to pay them. Please listen to that episode. It's our most recent episode before this one, uh, episode nine of uh, of beginnings. Check out what he has to say, what umpire Brian has to say about how that went down. But yes, there's even more controversy to it to add to that right now that we've heard. Reading Smith's article, we learned that the tournament winners have still been unpaid. And I've also found out that the broadcast stopped, as we know. It was stopped on the same day as the umpire standoff because the broadcasters weren't paid in time. So we see a little bit of solidarity there. So that's why the broadcasting stopped, and that's why we didn't get to see the players... <laughs> on their own game on the stream. But we have I've since learned a few things that are alleged to me about about the tournament. You have the tournament organizers who didn't provide food or enough money for the players to get food on Christmas Day of all days, and they had to eat ramen noodles. There were no accommodations made for vegan diets or vegetarian diets or halal. This is cricket. This is a standard thing, especially here in the USA where you have so many different cultures and so many... You have these three major di diets here in cricket. It's just, it just is the way it is. You have to accommodate that. Now, Amon, when Triangle Cricket League, this is a consideration as well. Whenever we have events where people are being fed by the league, you have to halal the vegan, the vegetarian diet. And this was not done here by the APL organizers. There, there are reports of discrepancies, incorrect game scores. One of the game score cards has Rakeem Cornwall bowling seven wides, which is very suspicious. I don't know if the man's bowled sevens in the last decade. Players, A player I talked to said it didn't happen, but he also said that there were tons of wides because of the state of the wicket. Some of the wides were due to the bad pitch. The ball would hit and pitch, pitch wide, and the umpires had no choice but to call it a wide. So that's something to consider as well when you look at these scorecards. But we have heard of suspicious activities. Uh, approaches were made to players, uh, according to a few players I've talked to. One night, Jamie arrived hotel at midnight to pay players. The players didn't get what they had, what they were told they were going to get. He came up short in paying them, and the players tried tried to prevent them leaving the hotel until they were paid. That had to be a sight to see. Some of the players were left one day short on their hotel stay. I've heard this throughout the league that typically they were like, yeah, we're, we're not paying for this last day for your hotel stay. And when you've got a flight that's the next day, that leaves you in a bad spot. But I've heard that thanks to the hotel staff, they were given credit to stay at the hotel one more night in many cases. That's extraordinary. 
One team paid $6,000 for uniforms, according to the source who was alleging this. Uniforms were poor quality. Well, that's not the first time we heard that. We heard umpire Brian talking about the quality of the uniforms. They really, and we never liked the design of them anyway. We heard that the balls weren't real kookaburras. They were very hard. And the players still have not been fully paid. We also have a situation where Jay Mir accused a USA player of fixing a match because he played slowly, which is wild. Apparently, the organizers also flew players in and told the captains to put those players into the game. We have somebody who told us that Jay Mir's card was declined at the hotel and some players were kicked out of their room rooms. I'm not sure about that one. I've only heard that one from one person. Most of these I've heard from multiple people. This is something that's been going around. People have not stopped talking about this for a week now. There you go, guys. There's some stuff to chew on. What do you think about that? Look, I'm sorry for for the schadenfreude. I just... Chaos in American cricket leagues. It's a staple of the comedy genre in cricket. And just... It, Jay Mir is the gift that keeps on giving... He's got a history of this kind of nonsense, the American Premier League, really just starting from the name, like Premier with an E on the end. Sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of a point in itself. Where does the E go? In some, in some cases, it's not there. And, and then in some cases, it is there. And but yeah. It's like the players pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's to say? Like, Jay Muir is clearly a very questionable character to be running a league. Why is USAC accrediting his league? Come on, that's just basic. What, what is what is going on there? The all the nonsense with we've seen multiple videos of this sort of thing come out of Jay Mir in the hotel yelling at people, and Jay Mir at the ground yelling at people, and the police arriving at the ground to drag the <laughs> drag drag the umpires away, and all this like <laughs> just ridiculous nonsense. I kind of wonder just. Jay Mir actually have any money? Like, because he's kind of always seems to be one step ahead of his, I guess he's not one step ahead if his card's actually declining at this point, but he's always kind of, oh yes, I'll get you the money later and is scraping together a little bit to keep them on the hook for a little bit longer and the, the whole thing like about to collapse. Who trusts this guy? Which, what kind of player is going to sign up for this nonsense? Yeah, the, the whole thing's a, a, just a total shambles. <laughs> It's, it is very funny, especially the videos that are coming out. But it's, in a lot of ways, it's very sad. And I guess for you guys, as Americans, it must be incredibly disappointing that this, the USA cricket has a reputation for this kind of chaos. You're trying to shed that reputation with, with Major League, which was actually well run, with Minor League, which is going quite well, with hosting the World Cup. There's some pretty good success for American cricket at the moment, but then this kind of thing happens and, and just sucks all the oxygen out of it. And really, USAC only have themselves to blame because they keep approving. They keep accrediting all these two-bit tournaments, which end up being disasters. And thinking back to that interview with Brian, there's other leagues that the umpires aren't even going to because they're not being paid. And those leagues are still getting accredited. And now we're going to this league, which is no one's getting paid here either. And that's still getting accredited. So I don't know. It really, it really does raise a lot of questions about how this sort of thing just keeps happening again and again in American cricket. And there's so many grifters in the game here, and it's all over such small amounts of money. Like, what is going on? It's crazy. Armin, we've talked 
several times about the Ireland series, right? Which turned out to cost USA a lot of money because of COVID. Now, where did the players get COVID? They got COVID at the US Open. In 2021, the US Open took place just before the Ireland series. A board that's trying to save a little bit of money is going to butt up their their own events. The, the, the players were already there, basically. So the USA didn't have to pay for their flights to get there. USA had sent kind of managers to, to see what was going on at the U.S. Open and trying to make sure their own event wasn't canceled because everyone got COVID. Irish players were there as well to try to get some get time on the ground. Now, I mean, we saw the, the U.S. Open did not handle COVID very well. And that series had to be abbreviated and it cost USA a lot of money. Nick said it, it just seems to be a pattern whether it was that in 2021 with the U.S. Open, this now, and the U.S. Open, to, I guess, the credit of the American cricket public, has started to basically come on the decline. Really, 2021 felt like the start, the beginning of the end for the U.S. Open. Should they have gotten, should they have been approved the next year? Should they have gotten sanctioning the next year after they what they did? No, they shouldn't have. But at that point, I guess... There, you were to lack for options, I guess, if you're the USA, and that was one of the bigger tournaments. But it, again, it seems to be on the decline there. And it, it's a really crappy way to end 2023. You mentioned it last week, Nate. Like we had, you mentioned Nick, Major League was fantastic. My league's been going strong. The USPL was even a very good league that ran, and people were very happy with how that turned out. And then this kind of comes along. The one thing that you can maybe take away as a positive is, there's so many eyes now glued onto this APL that now USA cricket has to be so much more selective. We've got to be careful that, okay, we have three things that we sanction in terms of major league, minor league, and the USPL. Do we add anything onto that? And then if they don't, it might be for the best because those three leagues proven to be good for the time that in which they've run. But this can be that wake up call, that slap in the face that, we thought the 2021 U.S. Open was going to be and wasn't. If this can be that, yeah, it sucks for 2023, but it'll help for 2024, 5, and beyond. Yeah, Matt Qureshi, that's another one of these characters involved in U.S. cricket. What, I, I, I genuinely struggle to understand. Why are there so many of these sort of tin pot tournaments with questionable business guys kind of running them and, and a lot of issues? What's going on? Well... And if it hadn't been hadn't been for these, we wouldn't have had quote unquote professional cricket. We wouldn't have had chances for our own players to get money. Lord knows we don't play international cricket, so the players getting some money for for their playing, of course, they're going to sign up for every league that comes along. And th this is another thing that really gets me. It's the sanctioning aspect of this. It's being used as a source of how many associate nations or full member nations. How many tournaments do they sanction? You got to imagine when the ICC is getting these these sanctioning notices or whatever you call them, they're getting notified that an event's been sanctioned once again in the USA. They got to be thinking, when the heck? How many things are getting sanctioned there, right? But it's turning into cash flow for USA cricket, some source of income. Now we know that they we haven't heard of them getting sponsorship. You get sponsorships when you play games, right? You get sponsors when you play games, and USA hasn't had a non-ICC event that they've played. They haven't taken the initiative and scheduled their own games outside of ICC events in a very long time since that Ireland series. Where are they going to get this? The sponsorship? What are people sponsoring? USA hasn't played a T20 
international outside of qualifiers since 2021. And we're going into the World Cup, for God's sakes. So, Not on the it, docket, either. That's what I was about to say, Nate. You've got a World Cup coming up, and the USA are just sitting around, not playing any T20Is. Canada's going to Hong Kong. Netherlands are in South Africa. I think Namibia might be there as well. People are organizing stuff. But what's the US doing? They keep doing this. They keep not running any any matches for their players. And then I'm sure we'll get to the World Cup and they've barely played and everyone will be wondering why they look undercooked. Undercooked, yeah. It boggles my mind because when we talked about how are they doing all these different youth nationals of all these different levels? How are they affording that? And the answer is sponsorship. Okay, can we have some USA prep games? No, we can't afford it. Well, if you can get sponsors for a U15 national tip, why can't you get sponsors for an Audi Cup? Why can't you get sponsors for a prep tour of some kind against somebody, anybody? For God's sake, sake. Sign the team. <laughs> yeah, like, look, just arrange a series against MLC All-Stars. M- MLC Domestic All-Stars versus USA Cricket Cricket. It's right here in our own backyard. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to pay anybody. At, to, you don't have to pay Ireland to come over here and pay all their players' fees and all that stuff. Yeah, you're going to have to pay the players to play and all that. But it's a lot cheaper to fly everyone to Dallas or, or wherever or Florida and than it is to fly everybody from Ireland over like, like they did in 2021. Now, I'm not crapping on the fact that they did. I'm saying not at this point. I'm saying why there are things we can do. There are things that we can do probably 40 of those major league cricket players that that are listed as domestics at least 30 35 of them aren't, aren't eligible USA yet these are players that are playing professional cricket at the same level as your USA players why not have some games between between them I don't get it you remember the Houston challenge kind of like the Houston challenge a couple years back Anything would just be nice just to play some games because, Nick, you mentioned be undercooked. Well, they, we don't know what that 11 is going to look like because, Nate, you mentioned we have so many people coming to be eligible, right? Andres House is available. He's a shoe into an 11, I would think, in the USA. He's proved to be the best batter in T20 cricket in the USA over the last three years. You think he's going to be in the 11, but I don't know if he's going to be or not because he's never played a game for the USA because we haven't played anything since 2021 since before these guys have gotten here since well, right. right as they got here really right so that's i think and i think the other frustrating thing is we beat ireland in 2021 with a team that was undercooked you had a lot of guys who hadn't played international cricket before we had it, i think you put a tweet out right after the series about half the wickets taken for the usa throughout the tour were of under 19 talent so you're talking about 18 19 year old kids taking beating Ireland almost right and so we did that then and you're talking about four years or three years later it feels like we have made virtually zero if not negative progress with the team because we just haven't seen them play in that period of time and and also we got the nationals coming up we got the the t20 usa national championships coming up which we've debated the 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 usefulness of this in the past right this, this shouldn't be a discovery at this point. You already know who your top players are that are eligible. You don't have to have a national championship with every zone having representation or whatever. But not every zone has rep- representation. Do we have an international team? Do we have a Colts team where you can put the international players who don't play in an American zone? What I mean by international players is, is players who live abroad who are qualified for USA, who are, have actually been in the USA team even. 
when you have Ian Hollins, when you have Cam Stevenson, and then you have Cameron Steele, who just had an, a tremendous summer in England in, in county cricket. And where are they going to go when we have a national championship? I'm not just talking about Cameron and Slade Van Staden, who's qualified to play for USA, who was playing first-class cricket as a 19, 20-year-old in, in South Africa, and he's scoring 70s and 80s. And he's at a number seven slot in first-class cricket. What team are they going to play on? So... And, and like I said, not just these these guys who haven't yet played on the team, but guys who have actually been a regular members of the USA team don't have a national championship team to play for. So how are you even going to consider them for the national team? And that's all of this is just bananas to me. So you think we beat that point up enough? <laughs> all right. Well, we've talked a lot about the, the, the few issues that news that Nick you talk about these, these wonderful issues. So thank you for joining us. I know it's two a.m. where you are right now. You better go to bed. Amin and I are going to get into some even more niche things, but you have a good night, Nick. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Uh, great to be on, first of all, and uh, nice to be on a podcast that I'm not editing for a change, so that'll be fun. <laughs> well, now you can go to bed at two instead of six. <laughs> Poor Nate. All right. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great chat with Nick. We love the guy. I'm sure we'll have him on plenty of times in the future. I look forward to editing this just to listen to what he said again. We got a couple more points to cover. Jaskar Maholtra's brother, Sahib Maholtra, is named in Canada's Hong Kong tour. So he's named on Team Canada for the first time. Yeah, pretty awesome. Saw the post from Jaskar actually this morning when he put it out there. And that's a really cool moment, I think, for the both of them. Obviously, very close. They go play cricket together a bunch. And then Jaskar is obviously representing the USA now. Sahib getting the opportunity to represent Canada. And he would have worked a lot with a lot of the Canadians when playing for the Baltimore Royals this past season in minor league cricket because you have guys of the Bipple Sharmas of the world. So a bunch of the Canadian guys playing with the Baltimore Royals. And I remember when he was with the Dallas Mustangs, actually his first game, I think it was with the Dallas Mustangs, he scored 90 off like 30, to, off 16, like a match winning hitting. So he can absolutely rake the ball around, bull spin as well, leg spin. So interested to see what he can do in Hong Kong. Yeah, I know Jess Curran's going to want to Get a spot on that USA World Cup team now for certain. We'll see if Saib is in that World Cup team for Canada. But congratulations to Saib, Saib Malhotra. And Jaskarn, I'm sure you're stoked about this. Good good for your family. Actually, I did. I wasn't aware that Saib was even in the running for Canada. I've seen him so much in, in Texas, playing cricket in Texas. Yeah. But yeah, very cool. Moving on then to some really cool Major League Cricket news. The Washington Freedom have gone down to train in Sydney. They, interestingly, they didn't take Saad Ali or Mukhtar Ahmed with them. They took just about everybody else. They were lacking also our buddy, Dane Pete, who's been named in the test team, by the way. <laughs> That's a good I thing. have to throw that in there. We've got to throw that in there. He's been named in the South Africa test team. But Mukhtar Ahmed out, Saad Ali out, is what it looks like to me. Now, the interesting thing here is we saw... In that final game that Washington, we saw Justin Dill play, and he's still included. Now, Saurabh is obviously down there. Justin was kind of a backup. A one, the way one seems to be doing it, which is smart, which most teams do, is you kind of you have a domestic role, and you've got two players in that role. So you have Saurabh as basically the domestic bowler, the domestic seam bowler, and then you have Justin Dill as basically his backup. It, it last, the way it worked out last season was that. 
And the way it appeared to work out last season was Saad Ali was the backup to Mukhtar Ahmed as the domestic batter because they had a domestic batter role at the toward towards the top of the order there. This to me kind of tells me that it makes me ask at least is Washington leaving the domestic batter role behind entirely and looking for another role to fill. Now, as I said, we had Pete was not involved in the New South Wales tour that's happening now, the training down in New South Wales. Now, that makes sense because Dane's preparing for a test. We don't have an answer there on the Dane-Pete situation with this team. <laughs> uh, so we still have that mystery. But do you feel like Washington's moving on from a domestic batter situation here by not taking Saad Ali or Mukhtar Ahmed down to Sydney? We don't know why they're not there. We're yeah. just, just assuming. It does, it does look a little bit interesting that they're both top-order batters. Yeah, like right out the gate, we want to call out and say we don't know exactly why they were left out, right? It might be a family thing. It might be a couple of commitments could have been the reasons they were left. But we had the, we've had these conversations because we love the Washington Freedom. And we talk about Mukhtar Ahmed was the number three, didn't really come good all tournament long. They had Saad Ali as that role. And they didn't really they didn't play it all tournament. And so you have to imagine with Steve Smith being the ambassador, quote unquote, for the Washington Freedom and his desire and want to play cricket in the USA, won't get a chance to do it with Australia for the World Cup, but will be basically close enough to the United States and the West Indies. He could just stay over for another month and play there. If he comes into the side, well, you don't need another domestic batter. You might need the domestic lower, whether that's a spinner a bowler, however it fits in. But yeah, it, it does look like they're at least leaving these two behind with the domestic batter camp. But maybe they've made other plans for some other domestics um, to come through. Maybe they're looking for a domestic who's going to bat a little bit lower down the order. We've never seen these two bat lower down the order. Maybe it is someone like a Jamar Hamilton or something like that who can just kind of bat a little bit lower. That, that would be what I would have to imagine because I do expect Steve Smith to come into this side now, of course, that off puts maybe an Akil Hussain or however Flo, a Glenn Phillips or something. Someone's going to have to give there, but they they could be looking for a different role with the domestic bat with, I think, what is almost certainty of Steve Smith in 2024. It's really interesting to get this much in, insight into maybe what their plans are for the next season. We know that sea launch on July 4th, but this is an early look. This is as early a look as we've gotten, really about what a team's intentions are next season. If I remember correctly, Cisco took just about everybody with them down to uh, the Victoria to do some at the MSG. No, not MSG. <laughs> M- MCG. I, they took them to Madison MCG. Square Garden. <laughs> that would be cool, too. <laughs> that would be cool, seeing these guys at Madison Square Garden. But, but yeah, so so it makes me wonder where these guys, where would Mukhtar Ahmed land? Because I don't think we've seen the last of Mukhtar Ahmed I don't think we've seen the last of Saad Ali in, in Major League Cricket. We don't know how many players they're allowed to keep, how to keep, how many they have to keep. If they, you know, what happens to the players when they get dropped? Things like this. If they're going to do another draft the way that they did it before. But, but I could have been thinking about where these players might end up. And I think TSK might be a good spot for Saad Ali. When you consider the fact that you have some left-handed bat down there with uh, Lahiru Malata. And so if you're going to, I think they did veer away from Lahiru for a while. So I, I would think about it as if they want a left-handed domestic bat, you double, you're doubling your stock by putting Sad Ali in the mix. Yeah, they could go there. I think 
so a team like the LA Knight Raiders, who I think are going to kind of redo that batting lineup. That great point. Really fire whether it was international or domestic. It feels like they could be in the mood for a change. So they could be looking at a Mukhtar Ahmed or Saad Ali. Didn't really have a lot of left-handers on that team either. So that would be a direction they could look in. But I, again, I think I, I'm very curious, again, with what the players are going to do as a whole, because we don't know how the teams are going to ship from year to year. I don't think they're all going to go back into the draft. I think the most likely thing is you're going to keep who you want to keep. You're going to drop who you want to drop, but then do the, I think those drop players will probably end up back in like a mini pool draft. I don't know if it'll be at the same scale as it was in 2023, but I'm very curious to see how the off season goes. Again, I think for the Washington Freedom, you're gearing up to get someone to bat in that 3-4 area. What you need is either someone that's going to bat at the opening where Matthew Short would have batted or bat kind of in the role or being all around for the way Akil Hussein or Glenn Phillips kind of was. And crazy to think you're leaving one of those two guys out, but that just might have to be what it is because you, Steve Smith probably comes into the side and uh, could captain the side or maybe Moses Enriques. We might, maybe he turns into more of a, like a player coach or coach type role. I think there's a lot of interesting combinations with Washington with the way Saad Ali and Mukhtaramad are going. Yeah, and it doesn't mean they're abandoning the domestic batter role, but it just yeah. makes sense that they would do this if they are, to me. And and here's another thing: a lot of selectors, when you go on a tour, when you pick a when you pick a team to go on a tour internationally, for example, if you pick a backup right and he doesn't bat the whole tour, a lot of times they keep him in the team just because they haven't seen what he's got in the game yet. Right. And it's kind of unfair to pick a guy just to be a backup and sit and then just he's out of the team, didn't even get a game. That's a tough spot. So I think a lot of times. If if they had just simply been unhappy with Mukhtar's output, I don't think you get rid of Saad. I think you right. keep him around and see what you've got. But if you're getting rid of the role entirely, you're getting rid of that domestic batter role, you get rid of both of them. And that's why it makes, that makes sense to me. That's what they're doing. We'll, we'll see. But man, this is the type of conversation I like to have. I love to have this kind of speculative conversation. The trick is... We know a lot of these players. We like a lot of these players. It's difficult to talk speculatively about <laughs> someone's future when you know that's their right. livelihood. That's a tough part. Yeah, 100%. And I'm hoping that a lot more people are having these conversations about Major League Cricket in the offseason and more people will continue to because I think that's what makes sport interesting. Yeah, you're going to dominate however long you're on TV, however long your season is. You should People should be talking about it, right? But right. I think what makes a good sports league is when it's you're out of season yeah are you still being talked about right yeah like the nfl you don't judge the nfl okay yeah they're getting every viewership when they're the game on but you turn it into a random wednesday in a random may week well you're gonna have an nfl dom there's gonna be an nfl dominating headline there the nba same way right whether that if that's in july the nhl to to a degree the mlb with this whole Shohei thing, right? You can dominate the headlines when you're not in season. I'm hoping that's the kind of momentum Major League can build. And I'm hoping there is some creative twist to free agency because I think that's what really uh, excites sport. And not only will it help the, to build the league to have things like this to talk about, very important. Not only will that build the league, but it helps drown out some of this APL-style nonsense. Yeah, if, if you're in the news cycle. Right. If we're talking about the good news or the optimistic news of Major League Cricket, 
We're not going to be spending at all so much time dominating headlines with weekend or single week or, or two week long trophy tournaments that go belly up. Think about the AAF or the USFL or the XFL that kind of all came and went from 2020 to now, right? They've all kind of come and gone and they haven't really, they dominated cycles when they came up. No one really bad an eye when they went down. Right, uh, they're, they're back in the new cycle because the XFL and USFL are joined together to make the UFL. If you have good news and you are you you have something exciting to talk about, you're and you're going to dominate over your sport for however given long and keep the attention out of the bad side. Oh, 100 percent. So you know what, Amin, we're just going to have to make the content we want to hear, which is what we're doing <laughs> right now. We're just going to have to keep doing this. We want this these conversations to happen. We want them to blow our content. We just talked about USA. We talked about the APL controversy. We talked about Washington Freedom, talked about Canada, USA, all this stuff, World Cup. We put it all on one show for you guys. This is this is a primo content right here. This is It's a buffet of shows, right? You can get a little bit of international career, get a little bit of these trophy tournaments, a little bit of major league. You can get whatever you want. Right, right. And like like you said, look, one of my favorite podcasts is Talking Giants because I'm a Giants football fan. So I like to listen. The Giants are terrible this year. Right, I don't. I can't. Hey, look. Trust me. I, for the first time in my life, I I can sit there with you. Yeah. Right. So, I can't look forward to Sundays. That's I know their butts kicked. Right. But I look forward to the next podcast about the Giants and about what they're trying to do in the future a little bit. And that's talking Giants. It speculates a little bit on all of that. What they need to do. What what people think they need to do. And that's fun stuff. This is why we love sports. We like to talk about sports. We like to listen to people talk, talk about who, who have a little bit of insight. So we're hoping we can provide that for people. But Amen, let's make one last one, one last statement here for our show before we wrap up. We want we're gonna do a live awards show. We've been talking about this for like three three weeks. Or <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna do it tonight. But you your girlfriend has a birthday party, so we're not gonna do it tonight. So we're, I'm not going to get you in that kind of trouble. Right. Well, next week we're going to do an award show and we've got awards like batter of the domestic batter of the year. We got awards like catch of the year, player of the year. Yeah. I'm thinking about a person of the year too, but things like this. Yeah. Yeah. So tune in for that. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be a live award show. We might wear suits. And um, look, look, if we get enough, if we get enough downloads, we could be tempted into wearing suits here. Right. Absolutely. And and we're going to make political statements, too. We're going all out. The ICC is going to hate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what all that. But if you guys do have like a category or maybe like for the best catch, you have a play. And this, again, would be like domestic uh, cricket in the United States. I can include Major League and include USA cricket. But if you have a specific catch that you might think fly under the radar, shoot it our way, whether it's best catch, an impact player of the year, game of the year, person of the year, whatever it may be. If you have something for us, shoot it our way because there's a lot of things to go look at and I'm sure something's going to slip through the crap. 100%. We got an emerging player of the year award. We're going to look at some youth players even. So send us your recommendations. We will consider it. We like interacting with people. Hit us up. Hit me up on Instagram or on Twitter at CrickFanUSA. And, or hit Amon up. His his hand's like way too long. But uh, <laughs> at AP Sports News underscore. So on Twitter. We need a big innings handle for Twitter. We have one for Instagram. 
beginnings under that's what it is so look us up you'll see our really cool logo if you listen to this you know what our logo looks like but thanks for listening folks we're going to try to get this out as soon as i can but thank you for listening and it was been it's been great Amit. it's been fantastic nate thank you so much uh, it was good to talk to nick for a little bit but i can't wait till the last show all right and then by the way we are ranked number five most most listened to kid podcast in the usa or at least we were this week Thanks to Brian Kane's wonderful intel. Love you, Brian. Thank you.